is going on? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got the facts. Tonight, we have a bit to talk about, uh, so let's get right into it with the world on the street. I got a, an update for you guys on that in, uh, that impeachment uh, inquiry. Of course, the Democrats have been uh, conducting testimony throughout the week. Uh, they've, uh, they've interviewed such U.S. diplomats such as Bill Taylor, the active ambassador to the Ukraine, officially uh, they also interviewed David Holmes which is a which is the counselor for political affairs political affairs in Ukraine uh, just recently today they interviewed Marie Yovanovitch the ex-ambassador to the Ukraine and also uh, George Kent who is a deputy assistant of uh, de- sorry the deputy assistant secretary of the state dealing with the Ukraine and they interviewed uh, him alongside Bill Taylor I believe it was yesterday uh, but some of the key points that I wanted to establish with you guys that I uh, came across first and foremost uh there was a hold on aid to the ukraine for about three weeks or i believe it was a three-month period uh now the reason that this is a very important situation or it's a very uh it's a very important layer to this situation is because russia i'm sorry ukraine is currently at war with russia and a situation like this uh, pretty much where they're being extorted or something like that it makes the u.s support uh for that country weak and it undermines that country's protection and it may even increase hostilities between them and the russians this is a part that uh i think people totally missed out on i think this part of that bill taylor uh added the other day uh, i believe it was thursday i think it went under the radar but it's very important uh the u.s like i said i've said it before uh ukraine is pretty much a buffer zone between uh russia and its aggression and the rest of europe in my opinion it's one of those buffer states right now and again a situation like that where you're uh pretty much uh corrupting their government you're corrupting who they are uh you're you're leaving them vulnerable uh to those entities again i think this is something that bill taylor brought up that was completely like i said completely missed i think a lot of people should have honed in on that that's a very important that's a very important uh step to that's a very important layer to have here uh trump also wanted to make the public uh wanted to make a public uh declaration of a biden investigation again uh this is what we found out via bill taylor again this was a this was for show and it's coming back to haunt the republicans the republicans wanted to throw that out there again another false investigation out there again just like they did similar to hillary clinton again again this is the same situation back in 2016 you throw the threat of an investigation out there it doesn't necessarily have to happen or it doesn't have to necessarily have to reveal anything just the fact that this candidate is under investigation again it uh, negatively affects the voters so therefore it's uh tampering uh pretty much with the election that hasn't even happened yet uh some more key points that were established between all these testimonies uh this these i believe this one was coming from uh george kent uh the deputy assistant of the secretary of state dealing with uh, ukraine uh now ukraine was not involved in any election interference in 2016 and biden was not a factor in a removal of that corrupt prosecutor of course we talked about it i believe uh it's also in that transcript is mentioned in that transcript between trump and Zelensky. again this has been a full process this is it's almost 
like it was a tit for tat type of thing. Uh, it looked as though the Democrats, well, the Republicans devised a plan, devised a situation in which they were going to extort Zelensky, but it looked as though uh, some some pieces involved, one of them including uh, Marie Ivanovich, just happened to get in the way. And I believe this is why we, again, there was a, we do know for a fact there was a hold. There should not have been a hold. Now the question is going to come up, why was there a hold? And then you're going you're gonna, to, you know, if you look at the logs, if you look at the testimonies, again, they've been visiting this president uh, for months on end. They've been having this country, they, they've been having this uh, this president, that being uh, Vladimir Zelensky in Ukraine, visit the U.S. multiple times again. Uh, you have co uh, you have corroborated accounts of the media in different restaurants, cafes, again, over and over again, trying to establish this uh, connection. Uh, well, this trying to establish the fact that uh, the Ukraine will conduct this investigation and that was all a part of all the stuff that they received and again I believe the Ukraine again the aid was released because I will let's just say uh, like I said there was a hold uh, that cannot be denied I do believe that there was gonna be a hold up until the announcement was released the U.S. had planned on releasing the 400 million at some point. Uh, it was more, but what they had planned to do, at least the Republicans and Trump, they planned to not have to do this until uh, till Zelensky made some type of announcement. That was the goal. It didn't happen. They were caught with their hands in a cookie jar with an attempted bribery case. So now they're saying they're turning around and saying about face saying, "Well, they got the they they got the aid anyways." Well. They were supposed to get the aid. So they, you are supposed to do your job. The fact of the matter is that you held it up for three months and that cannot be denied under any channels. Again, that's just the way it is. You might want to argue. We can argue about this all day. This attempt of bribery at his finest. He got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. That is why the Ukraine got the aid. Uh, they were not going to get the aid until they made the announcement. But since, again, the Republicans were caught, since Trump, more so was caught red-handed doing this he had to ship he had to shell out the 400 million for aid anyway that's all that it was and uh finally uh another key point uh, here that i wanted to establish was according to president uh Zelensky, uh well according to bill taylor excuse me his testimony Zelensky at one point had agreed to make in a public announcement himself but again it just uh, again media and of course you know trump got caught and they made it a big stir in this country and it forced this whole situation to come out again this is a uh, very this is a this is an oversight of power this is a misuse of, of executive powers I don't care how you really slice it again my my really my my truth my truth and my opinion is simple as this if there was a opinion amongst the Democrats or sorry amongst the Republicans that the Democrats or more notably Joe Biden was doing something to put US uh, US national security in danger uh, by by corrupting Ukraine okay then how about you send the FBI to investigate it. You control the Dutch Department, you control the State Department, that being Trump and his Republican cronies. You control all that. So you conduct your own investigation and you let us know what you find out. And then you can you can indict Joe Biden as you go. Again, no indictments for anybody on the Democratic side, but but instead you keep finding a pattern of uh, of, of misbehavior amongst Trump. Explain. Can somebody please explain this to me?
Uh, today we had uh, another desperate, well, we wouldn't call it a deposition, but we had another testimony from the ex, like I said, the ex ambassador from the uh, ex ambassador to the Ukraine, Marie Ivanovich. And she was basically uh, detailing how she was uh, pushed out of her position uh, to make room for the current Bill Taylor, uh, and because she was in the way of that scheme. Uh, we, she started to, uh, well, she told us how she was threatened by Donald Trump uh, from firsthand. Uh, well, that was her first hand experience uh, they dragged her name throughout the mud uh, mr. Trump and also uh, his his lawyer buddy Rudy Giuliani uh, again they pushed her they forced her out of her job uh, and then on top of that while she's giving her testimony, and this is I think one of the things that I'm gonna I'm you're gonna come back and I think this is gonna this is gonna blow open the case uh, pretty much wide open Trump being the smart guy he is he pulls an Antonio Brown he t he he sends a tweet out to Ivanovich Ivanovich excuse me while she's conducting her testimony of course he goes and I I don't know the exact tweet I don't have that in front of me he starts to talk about her track record so on and so forth blah 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 blah, blah. of course it's negative it's, of course it's to undermine who she is the thing about it is and uh, the Republicans whole see their whole defense when dealing with her today. You know, should have just been she wasn't, you know, really related to this case, blah, blah, blah. You know, she has nothing to do with it. She doesn't really have any firsthand information. But with Trump's tweet today, you basically have, uh, by default, made her more of a key focus. Uh, they've done that now by putting her name in there, by, you know, by, by Trump uh, really just going in on her. Uh, again, whatever, whatever, you know, importance you felt she didn't have. Again, Trump has put a spotlight on her. Uh, you, and whatever she said about being intimidated and threatened, I think because of what you see in real time is true. You cannot say uh, that that is not true. I think you have to be the dumbest person to, to tweet about somebody while they're giving a testimony. You might call it gangster. Some people might call it gangster. Uh, but when he's when he's removed from office, if he is removed, the only thing you'll have left is to pull that civil war shit that you that everybody has been talking about. That's the only thing you'll have left because he'll be gone. Because with behavior like that, you're not you're not thinking properly. You you really think you got it made now. And again, maybe 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 he knows someone that I don't know. But I can only say this: Imagine if Obama sent a tech a tweet like that to somebody I, I can just i can only imagine so uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna push some of it being the complexion of mr trump he gets away with some things because of that uh, and i'm and i'm getting i'm he's definitely flexing his executive branch swag uh i don't think it's gonna end well for him i, I with that move right here and again you have to be you have to be in denial now and I'm, I'm pretty sure the word now is is a is a never trumper the anti-trump people that's this time well you can be a always trumper and still be wrong because again you have to be a fool to to listen to that because again I, we've talked about you know the transcripts we've, we've talked about them here I've, I've spoke on them and uh we have it here you know he asked him can you do me a favor that is a quid pro quo no matter what you want to say no matter how you know you want to say it he mentioned joe button i'm uh, sorry Joe Biden. He mentioned Joe, uh, uh, Joe Biden by name. He mentioned Hunter by name. He mentioned the whole situation about the removal of, of a certain uh, prosecutor uh, in Ukraine. He mentioned all that. He mentioned how he thought uh, 
Biden had something to do with it when he didn't. So he was wrong on his own information. And of course, the Republicans, you know, the first thing that they tried to do, especially the first day of testimony, was try to discredit anything that the that the uh, the uh, the witnesses were saying, whether it be Bill Taylor or Mr. George Kent. I say, oh, well, you you heard secondhand information. That was their biggest thing. But my thing about it is. If you heard it from somebody directly involved, that's a direct quote. So it could be it could be hearsay, but it's direct hearsay, and it's fully admissible. I don't I don't, I don't I'm sorry I don't. Again, if you if 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 I went to ask somebody, uh, you know, uh, a survivor of of a, of a recent school shooting, if I were to ask them questions, what they still what they told me is still valid, although it's hearsay. And if I let's say for instance I just asked the question and I got a random answer for somebody who wasn't there, then you could say that's hearsay. But George Kent's testimony and what he said, just as well as Bill Taylor's testimony, uh, was based on what was told directly to them from people directly involved in this situation. That's what it was. So you can try to discredit it all you want to. He say, she say, well, somebody involved and it said it. So it's it's as clear as it's just, it could be as admissible as any other type of evidence that's out there. They heard it from the direct from directly from people involved. Hearsay includes no hearsay is when you hear something from somebody who wasn't involved at all and they just telling you their own personal opinions about it. No, they what they're telling what they told the nation was exactly what they heard from involved uh, from the people involved with those phone conversations now you're hearing about a whole nother phone conversation um, more recently today uh, and this was described by mr. David Holmes uh, he's a counselor for political affairs for political affairs in the Ukraine uh, he mentions another phone call uh, that includes all uh, pretty almost everybody um, except for maybe Ivanovich uh, that that all these people overheard and he also went on to say that uh Zelensky would do anything for Trump so again we have a very difficult situation on our hands uh definitely some what's the word here some corruption uh on both sides in Ukraine and in the U.S. and I think it's going to come back and, and get a lot of people in a whole heap of trouble and it does uh and it and for what it's worth it does sacrifice our uh, our national security believe it or not people won't say it but it definitely does unfortunately uh but i'm going to keep uh digging into this there's more that's coming out there's more that i have to understand and go through as well uh I'm, i feel like i'm putting these pieces together a uh, quick run through of what i of, of kind of what i pieced together is i feel like those there's a situation now with this election coming up this is why it kind of came out the way it was uh and i believe that trump just like he 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 pretty much figured out uh from his first time around with hillary it again is if you throw out the throw out just the the inkling of some type of investigation you can negative negatively affect somebody's campaign so i i believe i i believe in the fact that trump wanted to sabotage this election just like he was made and, and he could not have been involved with 2016 with russia but he's definitely involved in 2019 with Ukraine and Ukraine being like I said before Ukraine being a buffer area between 
the, the rest of Europe in Russian aggression, it puts us in a very uh, awkward position, okay? Especially if something were to get worse between the two countries. Uh, but, like, but what I'm seeing uh, from what I'm able to put together is, of course, like I said, we're getting closer to the next uh, the next election. Of course, it's next year. And Trump is, is easily, take, is tr well, he's trying to take out his competition because let's let's be honest he's running unopposed in the republican party we know this already nobody's going to challenge him his his threat is going to come from joe biden so he's trying to take care of his opponent early that's what it was but he happened to have gotten caught and when he got caught uh, this is what i think this is what he decided to do he was in this in this in a situation where he said, okay, well, instead of having my country do it and have to go through the, because again, if you bring it up here in America, I think you have an issue where you, you do have some sides going, well, why would you investigate Biden? You would have a whole, a whole, sh a whole sp uh, I, I think a whole different line of questioning had he tried to conduct that uh, that investigation here in this country. It wouldn't have been able to go off like that. So I think Trump uh, understanding uh, understanding of what situation uh, that the Ukraine is dealing with takes advantage of that country and says, if you if you provide me this service, then I'll maintain your uh, your aid. That's what it was. It, it's simple as this. And, and then instead of going, like I said, instead of going through his countrymen, instead of going through his investigative unit, because we have an FBI, if you wanted to really root out corruption or if you really wanted to find out about corruption between people in your own country, would you use your own FBI, your own uh, unit of investigation? Why wouldn't you? But he would he would have to ask too many he would have to answer too many questions if he went through our FBI. So he decided to go through through a uh, uh, you know through Ukraine. And but what happened was that he got caught and his whole plan is unraveling. And uh, now him and Republicans are in a situation uh, again. They tried to steal the election again, just like they did in 2000, just like they did in 2016. Uh, this is something that the Republicans are doing. It's a it's a it's a thing. And see, this is the funny thing is because it's all coming together because a lot of the the russian people a lot of the people a lot of the businessmen that 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 um that trump is involved with especially on the russian side he's giving them all type of property he's he's allowed them to move into the country he's giving them all type of business deals so guess what everything's coming to roost he's trying to do business with everybody and it doesn't work you have to put on you have to, to leave the business suit at home and put on the presidential cap and be a politician and he's a terrible politician he's a terror i'm i don't want to say the word i don't want to say it right now because i know the 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 right the right side of things are going to be like no don't say it look he he's not that great at what he's doing let's just let's just be fair here he's he doesn't have he's lacking some real finesse at this and um maybe you know i either either he gets he he's voted out or he's uh or he's um impeached either or but i think anybody with a brain has got to know that this is wrong all right y'all i'm gonna take a quick break and when i come back i'll be breaking down some nfl action of course we had a thursday night uh afc north matchup between the uh, the steelers and the browns that ended in a melee and some drama of course uh it's a it's an afc north matchup that's what happens we're gonna talk a little bit about that and then uh we're gonna talk uh finish everything off with some hoops and also some college football all right y'all i'll be right back
right, y'all, I am back. Uh, let's break down some Thursday night football. Of course, like I said before, it was an AFC North matchup between the Browns and the Steelers. Uh, the Browns win this one 21-7 in a minor upset. They bring their record to 4-6 and six on the year. The Steelers are now 5-5. Five and five. I know there was that big fight at the end of the game, but first and foremost, before we get to that, we're going to get to the stats real quick. And on offense, the Steelers were led by Mason Rudolph. Uh, he went 23-44 for 221 yards. He would throw a touchdown, but he also threw for four, threw four interceptions as well. I don't think this was a part of the story, but it, it should be. You throw four picks in a divisional game, yes, you're definitely going to lose big time. So, yes, they lost. The Steelers lost a fight, in my opinion, and they lost the game. They're going to have to take two L's this week. Running back Jalen Samuels will have 26 rushing yards and also receiving touchdown. And wide receiver James Washington would have three catches for 49 yards. On defense, the Steelers were led by defensive tackle Javon Hargrave, who will have nine, who had nine total tackles, and also defensive man Cameron Hayward, who would have six total tackles. Uh, for the Browns, offensive leader were led by Baker Mayfield. Uh, he had a pretty good game, 17-32 uh, for 193 yards. He threw for two touchdowns and ran for a touchdown as well. Nick Chubb relieved all rushers. Uh, he would have 92 yards on the ground. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. would have four catches for 60 yards and Jarvis Landry would have four catches for 43 yards. He'd also have a, touch, a touchdown pass as well, excuse me. And on defense, the Browns were led by linebacker Joe Schobert, who had 10 total tackles, a sack and two interceptions, and also safety Justin Burris. He had five total tackles, a sack and also an, an INT. Uh, but let's move on to the real news I guess of the game uh, and of the night. Uh, of course, we have, we're talking about the fight after the game. A quarterback Mason Rudolph and defensive end Miles Garrett got into an altercation involving two other Steelers and also another Brown too. Uh, the two the two Steelers that got involved were offensive lineman Marquise Pouncey and also David DeCastro. Uh, the other Brown that was involved was defensive tackle Larry Oja, Ogunjobi. Uh, for both teams, they were fined $250,000, uh, $250, excuse me. And for Miles Garrett, he has been suspended for the entire rest of the season which includes the playoffs as well if the Browns just so happens just so happen to make it so uh with with uh so with the Steelers taking two L's in this game with that being the fight and the game the Browns they don't win so much either because of course yes they get out of this they get out of this one with a win uh but again without Miles Garrett one of their premier tacklers one of their premier pass rushers that's a big piece of that defense. I don't think that that defense recovers, and I think that that defense definitely struggles. And that was one of the good things that probably kept that team together. I don't. I don't think this. I think with this win here, I mean, it, it's a good thing to have, uh, but I don't see them winning maybe more than three more games in this entire year. Just with all the drama and just really what we see from this team, I don't think you see anything that dynamic. We haven't seen anything this di haven't seen anything dynamic uh, about eleven weeks into the year. And again, I, I just don't see it changing for the Browns so again they did lose another another key piece for them I, I think the Browns they get the win tonight they got the win last night excuse me but I don't think they get anything uh moving on from this I think the Steelers still are in a in a position 
where they can try to make the playoffs again. But again, uh, that was a rough night for Mason Rudolph. We can't, they can't have another night from him like that if they do expect to go to the playoffs, though. Uh, but let's move on for some uh, from some pro football. Let's get into some college football. Of course, tomorrow is another big day. Of course, and Saturday, of course, college football. We're gonna break. Uh, give you guys a bit of a preview for Week 12. Uh, we're gonna break down the top four in the playoff rankings as of today. Uh, first, of course, and foremost, we have at number four Georgia, who is now eight and one. Uh, who is now eight and one the year? They are fifth in overall offense. Uh, they are 17th in pass defense with 186 yards per game allowed, and they are fourth against the rush this year, which is 75 yards allowed per game. Uh, but the thing is about it, uh, the thing is this weekend though they have a big game versus, or they have a big game at number 13 Auburn, who is seven and two. We're gonna talk a little bit about more, a little bit about that uh, game in just a second. I do have some key matchups for college football this week, so just give me a second. I'll get to that in just a second. Uh, but at number three in the playoff rankings, we have Clemson, who is still who is still undefeated at ten and zero. Uh, they have a they currently tr- uh, currently their starting quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, excuse me, is a semi-finalist for the Davy O'Brien Award, which is the uh, which is an award for the best quarterback in college football. So far this year, he has a 67% completion for, completion percentage, excuse me, for 2,303 yards. He's also thrown uh, for 23 touchdowns and also eight interceptions. So pretty much the main focal point of that offense right now. They actually do have a really good running back in Travis. Uh, sorry, in uh, yes, Travis Etienne as well. Uh, but Trevor Lawrence getting a lot of love here, one of the top quarterbacks in the nation. And they open up tomorrow as a 31-point favorite against Wake Forest, who is 7-2 again. So another pretty easy conference game for them. Uh, the only thing, the, the only changes that they can make now is if somehow Ohio State loses and they move a spot up, or of course they take a big, they take a big drop down if they were to happen to lose tomorrow. So uh, no, nothing really new from them. Uh, so let's move on to number two. We have Ohio State, who is nine and zero. Defensive end Chase Young will still be out this weekend, uh, but he will return next week, November twenty third, to take on Penn State. So look out for that, Bentley Lions fans. Uh, I don't think y'all want to see that dude. Uh, but they do have some other starters, that being the Buckeyes that are MIA this weekend, including linebacker Baron Browning, also defensive end Jonathan Cooper, and also wide receiver Austin Mack. Uh, I don't think it comes it becomes an issue this week. I don't think they're playing anybody uh, scary this week. I, I can't remember who they are playing this week. I want to say Indiana, a winnable game. Whoever it is, it's going to be a winnable game. Uh, but, for Ohio, but for Ohio State, they are first in the nation in scoring with 51 points per game and they are also fourth uh first excuse me in points allow one of the best scoring defensive out best scoring defenses out there uh, they only allowed nine points a game and finally at number one we have LSU who currently is uh, 9-0 their last game was a 46-41 win at Alabama of course the biggest game of the year they are currently fourth in overall offense and they are second in passing with 379 yards per game and they are also 33rd in, th- in total defense and they are 13th against the rush and they only allow about 101 
21 yards per game. Uh, let's move on uh, to some teams on the outside looking in. At number five, of course, we have Alabama, the loser of that of that big-time game last week. They are 8-1. They are looking to get the ship right this weekend. Uh, they will be playing Arkansas, a winnable game. Up next, we have Oregon, who is at number six. They are 8-1 as well. Uh, I think they have a winnable game this weekend. I haven't seen too much of Arizona, uh, so they are a little bit of a mystery to me, but uh, Oregon goes into that game as a favorite. Uh, at number seven, we have Utah. Uh, they also have a winnable game this weekend. They are 8-1. They will be playing UCLA. And finally, we have Minnesota here at 9-0. and uh, Again, their biggest uh, matchup, well, well, since they've been beating Penn State, I think they make it through. Oh, no, no. They will be playing a very solid game uh, as well this weekend. Uh, we, we will be talking about that in just a second because, of course, uh, I have a couple of key matchups to go over. Uh, first and foremost, we're going to have a matchup in the SEC. Number five, Georgia, of course, at eight. Sorry, number four, uh, Georgia at eight and one in the playoff rankings. Uh, they will be set to take on number 13, Auburn, who is seven and two, of course. And uh, for Auburn, uh, I think uh, I think in this game, actually, though, I'm going to take uh, Georgia as the favorite. I think Auburn has some questions, especially along the defensive line and also defensively in total. Uh, they give up a, I think they give up a, a decent amount of yardage on the ground and in the air. Uh, in all reality, uh, they give up. A, they give up a few. Uh, I think they give up almost about 20 points a game as well. I think Georgia comes in there pretty focused. I think they're able to get the win in this one. And to solidify uh, their spot in the SEC title game, uh, they've already taken out Florida, the top team in their division in the SEC, in the East Division out there in the SEC. So I think this uh, this Auburn matchup is a little bit difficult, of course. But I think Georgia pulls out uh, this one about what about a couple touch about a couple touchdowns. So I think they win by at least 14 points in this one. Uh, moving on, we have number uh, actually this is number seven Minnesota uh, taking on number 23 Iowa. Uh, Minnesota comes into this one, of course. 9-0 overall and 6-0 in Big Ten play. Of course, we have number 23, Iowa here, who is 6-3 and 3-3 and in conference play. In this one, I like Minnesota a lot. They have a really uh, great uh, passing offense. They get a lot of yardage through the air. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned, though. Uh, sometimes teams go to Iowa, and they uh, they come in there promising, and they, they sometimes take an L. I've seen that happen. Uh, so I, I'm not going to say it's an outright upset alert per se, but I do see it being a very close game. Minnesota probably ekes out of there with a touchdown win. And finally, we have another uh, Big 12 matchup here between two teams uh, in the top 25. Number 10, Oklahoma, who was 8-1, will take on number 12, Baylor. Uh, again, this one is going to be a high-flying shootout, in my opinion. Both teams score above 38 points a game uh, so look for a lot of points in this one if we're talking to over under I'm, I'm thinking uh, a little bit under 80 but a lot of points and I see Oklahoma edging this one out by at least uh, three points or something like that uh, really for that really frantic paced offenses uh, they'll be looking to get started early uh, again I, uh, Baylor 
it's hard to say. Uh, um, Baylor is 9-0 coming into this game, but I don't think they've played a great team just yet. Uh, I think Oklahoma, they've, they've been through some trials this year. They've played some uh, a different uh, array of competition. So I'm going to take Oklahoma uh, as a as a slight favorite in this one. I, I say by like a field goal. All right, y'all. So I'm going to take a quick break. I just broke down some college football for you guys. And when I come back, we'll be talking some NBA action. One news story to talk about, and then we'll be breaking down the uh, the games from tonight. All right, y'all. I'll be right back. All right, y'all. I'm back. Let's wrap this up for tonight. Of course, uh, I'm going to be talking some NBA action. First things first, though, uh, one bit of news to talk about, and it's coming out of Portland. It looks like the Blazers, uh, this is yesterday, of course, uh, it, looks like, it looks as though the Blazers have signed Carmelo Anthony to a non-guaranteed contract. Uh, if he remains on the roster by January 7th, he can receive a uh, contract to, you know, get through the, you know, a full uh, guaranteed contract. Uh, now, last season as a Rocket, uh, he would uh, score just 13 points a game on 40% shooting and 32% from three. And that was just in 10 games. He also spent time with the OKC Thunder, scoring 16 points a game and 35% from three. I'm just going to be honest with you about how I feel about it. I don't like the way Carmelo has played basketball the past few years. And he's definitely older. But besides from that, I just don't like his style of play. I'm not too sure where it works well for a squad like this that's already dominated so much by our guards. Now, of course, uh, we def- I've always said we needed some uh, presence along the wing, some great presence along the wing, maybe a, a power forward or a small forward like that uh, to, to that provides some more scoring outside of D, outside of CJ and Dame. But I don't think it's Carmelo. As a Blazers fan, I, I personally don't like the move. Uh, and I'm just hoping, I'm just hoping if he is going to make this work, if he is going to, you know, play for us, he doesn't take too much away from us. It doesn't cause too much of a, of a, of a stir. Uh, you know, I don't know what his role is going to be, uh, but I hope, you know, from the sake of my team, he just goes ahead and, you know, just fulfills it. Um, I'm not expecting a whole lot, to be honest from you, uh, just going off what I saw from him in, uh, Houston and Oklahoma City. Uh, I'm not too too sure what to see. Uh, I, I hope that he's done some soul searching and he's realized maybe it might be best for me to come off the bench. Uh, maybe what Portland, the way Portland runs our offense, is suitable to his skill set. I just think he holds on to the ball too much for one, and I don't think he's uh, he's at well. I don't think he's as effective as he as he was in his younger years to to hold on to the ball that much. Um, he's definitely a clock killer a clock milker uh, i just don't want to see him in that in that that mellow jab step straight just hold on to the ball for 20 seconds and not get nobody else involved i have a very sneaky suspicion unless he's coming off from the bench a lot or you know a significant amount of time that uh, i have a sneaky suspicion that we might see some of that so as a portland fan i'm not 100 percent with it but hey, you know, I guess they need to make a move of where they're at, and you know, in terms of the season, uh, I don't know. I, I, I personally, I don't feel the move. I didn't, I didn't really like it. 
just to be honest with you. Uh, but let's move on to the scores from tonight. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, the Magic getting a win against the Spurs, 111-109 to as a five, final score here. Both teams are at 5-7. and seven. Uh, For the Spurs, they were led by DeMar DeRozan, who had thir- uh, 21 points, excuse me. He also had 5 assists and 2 rebounds. Rudy Gay would have 14 points and 4, assists, uh, four assists, excuse me, coming off the bench. And LaMarcus Aldridge would have 13 points, 6 assists, sorry, 6 rebounds and 2 assists. For the Magic, they were led by guard Evan Fournier. He would, have, he would lead all scores, uh, excuse me, with 26 points, three assists, and four rebounds. For Terrence Ross would have 20 points and two rebounds off the bench, and Aaron Gordon would have 14 points and also eight rebounds. Uh, for the uh, up next, we have the Pistons uh, getting it done against the Hornets, 109. I'm sorry, uh, the Hornets getting it done against the Pistons, 109 to 106 is the final score here. The Pistons are now four and nine. Uh, the Hornets are five and seven. For the Pistons, they were led by guard Langston Galloway, who had 32 points off the bench. Blake Griffin would add 19 points along with four assists and three boards. Andre Drummond would have a double double with 16 points and 20 rebounds. And Derrick Rose would have 16 points, three rebounds, and two assists coming off the bench. For the Hornets, they were led by three guards. Terry Rozier, he would have 19 points, five rebounds, and two assists. Malik Monk, the shooting guard, would have 19 points and four rebounds coming off the bench. And Devontae Graham would have 18 points, 10 assists, and also five rebounds. Up next, we got the Sixers getting it done in overtime. I'm sorry, the Thunder getting it done in overtime against the Sixers, 127 to 119 we got the rockets beating the pacers 111 to 102 uh up next we got the grizzlies uh yes uh, the grizzlies getting a one point win against the jazz 107 to 106 we got the wizards here uh getting a win against the timberwolves uh 137 to 116 the wizards are now three and seven the timberwolves have gone down to seven and five for the wizards they were led by guard bradley bill who led all scores with 44 points he would also have 10 assists and three rebounds power forward moritz wagner would have uh, 30 points 15 rebounds and two assists coming off the bench and for the timberwolves they were led by carl anthony towns he would put up 36 points and 10 boards and uh, jeff t would have 13 points uh, moving on, we have the Celtics beating the Warriors 105 to 100. And finally, in some West Coast action, we got the Lakers getting it done by two. 99 to 97 is the final score against the Kings. Uh, for the Lakers, they are now 10 and 2. And for the Kings, they are 4 and 7. Uh, for the Kings, they were led by Buddy Heald. He had he would have 21 points, 8 rebounds, and also 3 assists. Bogdan Bogdanovich would have 18 points, 5, uh, five assists, and 3 Three rebounds off the bench and center Rashawn Holmes would have 17 points and eight assists for the Lakers of course LeBron James would lead the way with 29 points he also have 11 assists and also four rebounds Anthony Davis would have 16 points and three rebounds and Contavious Caldwell Pope would have uh, 16 points and three assists all right y'all I'm gonna call it a wrap for tonight when I come back tomorrow I'll be breaking down some college football action uh, all 20 all scores throughout the top 20 
45. Uh, we'll be talking about some conference races as well. And then also we'll be breaking down uh, one of my reviews. I'll be have I'll be doing that Joker review for you guys. And on Sunday, I'll be uh, going over some NFL action, of course. Uh, so actually, yeah, I'll be going over some NBA action uh, tomorrow night as well. So uh, look out for tomorrow night, that Joker review, some college football action, and also uh, some uh, NBA. And then Sunday, of course, same a little bit of the same thing. We're going to be having some NBA talk. And then, of course, we'll be talking some NFL action. And then, um, yeah, another review. I'll be doing that. I'll, I'll just say that Dr. Sleep review for you guys uh, for Sunday night as well. And then um, to start off next week, I'll be giving you guys part seven of that Golden State issue. So uh, between Monday and Tuesday, keep an eye out for that. All right, y'all. If you're looking to get in touch with me, you can reach me. If you're looking to get in touch with me, excuse me, you can reach me on my email at ljbutler75 at gmail.com. That is eljbutler75 at gmail.com. Uh, you can also hit me up on G, uh, sorry Instagram and Facebook at ljamaljohnny. Uh, once again, that is ljamaljohnny, E-L-J-A-M-A-H-A-D-J-A-N-I. Once again, that is E-L-J-A-M-A-H-A-D-J-A-N-I. I also have a Facebook page for the show as well at Never Out of Bounds. Once again, that is Never Out of Bounds. I got some links there. I also got some... Uh uh, some content there as well and if you are looking to donate i do have links to my paypal and also the cash app there as well all right y'all i'm calling it a wrap for tonight if anybody hasn't told you yet i love you uh peace out one love and i will holla at y'all later on all right